guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. You like this warm day? Beautiful day out there, right? I mean, who cares if it's seven below when you come to church on Sunday morning, right? Hey, if you'll notice in your, in your bulletin, uh, you got almost a book for the notes today. Uh, we're going to have a lot of notes. Make sure the lights are up so the people can uh, catch them in the, in the sanctuary and uh, follow along with us as we go through. Uh, we're continuing our study in the book of Judges, and we're ready to look at the second study in our series. We're going to be looking at the judgments of God and the failures of the nation. We're going to be in the first two chapters of Judges. But judgment, as we saw last week, means discerning. It means to be able to decide. Somebody has to decide. Someone has to discern. And either we can discern and we can decide, or we can allow God to decide and discern. And there was a judge who stood behind the judges in the book of Judges. And there's a judge who stands behind each one of us, even in this day in which we live. And the people were responsible for two things. First, they were responsible for finding and then following God's judgments. And we have the same responsibility today. We are responsible to not only find those judgments, but also to follow those judgments. And we should be up on that on the screen. So the success or the failure of this and the consequences is really what the book of Judges is all about. So it begins here in the first two chapters. The consequences, the success, the failure, whether they would find the will of God, the judgments of God, whether they would follow the judgments of God. So we're going to see not only three judgments of God in these chapters, but also we're going to see three failures of the nation. Three times God's going to speak in these first two chapters. And each time he speaks, he utters a judgment. Judgment number one was a directive. It was a directive. And the people failed to conquer the land. The second judgment was an accusation. An accusation. But the people failed to consider the law. And the third judgment was a decree from God but the people failed to cling to the Lord. So God speaks in three different ways, in a directive, in an accusation, in a decree. And the people failed to conquer, they failed to consider, and they failed to cling to God when he spoke to them. So the message of these first two chapters of Judges, as we look at them today, is a message that's needed in every age and in every generation. It just wasn't for the time of Judges. And the message is going to be able to clarify for God's people really the situation, why it's really important for us to be able to find in matters of authority and in matters of judgment to listen to God's voice rather than to follow our own. And I'm going to make a statement here and then I'm going to repeat it a couple of times so we make sure we have it. And that is that God's judgments touch the will. They touch the conscience of man. And they expect a response both in our heart and in our lives. Let me say that again. God's judgment touched the will and the consequences of man and expects a response 
There needs to be response, both in our heart and our life, to those judgments that will touch our will and our conscience. Let's bow together. Judges. We always used to hear that statement, here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. God, you are the judge. And you speak to us. You give us directives. You make accusations towards us. You set out decrees. And we, in turn, can either fail to conquer that directive or to not consider that accusation in your word, to not cling to you. So may we learn from the lessons here in the book of Judges that we may be a people who will conquer, who will consider, and who will cling. So Lord, touch our will. Touch our conscience. Get a response, Lord, from us in our hearts and in our lives. For we're not here for information. We're here for transformation and change. And only you can bring it. Because, Father, either we can discern and we can decide or we allow you to discern and you to decide the directions of our life. So open up judges to us. May these first two chapters speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first judgment was a directive, but the people failed to conquer the land. Let's go to Judges chapter 1, verse 1. It says, now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, underline that, they started out at the right place. They asked the Lord saying, who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? Now the occupation of the land that Israel had invaded had not yet been completed. There were still yet land that needed to be occupied. There were still nations and enemies that needed to be driven out. And it seems that in the delay after Joshua's death that the Canaanites had regained strength, that they had emerged, that they had begun to rally. So the directive of God came in verse 2. And he says, The Lord said, after they had sought him and asked who should go, he says, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. Now, the Lord's going to keep his promises. The question is, will the people do their part? Are they going to accept what God has declared to be done? Are they going to act upon it? Are they going to ignore God and do their own thing? Now, the first two phases of this campaign that Judah was going to make down into the southern part of Israel starts very, very well. We see that beginning in verse 2, but look at verse 3. So Judah also said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me to my allotted territory. You remember that every tribe was given a territory where they were to drive out the enemy and to complete the conquest of the land. And he had an allotted territory, and he's asking his brother to go up and help him. And then he makes this promise 
that we might fight not only against the Canaanites, but I will likewise go with you into your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Now, God's help is seen throughout this campaign. I'm not going to go through every verse, but from start to finish, we see that God is fulfilling his word with Israel. In verse 4, it says, Then Judah went up to the, and by the Lord, delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand and killed 10,000 men at Bezik. Now, look at verse 19. It says here, as we continue with the battle, So the Lord was with Judah, and they drove out all the mountaineers, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. But he had driven out all of those out of the mountains. And in verse 20, And they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses had said. Then he expelled them, their three, three sons of Anak. So, they started out very well in their campaign. But then things began to change. And I want you to notice and underline a few key verses. Look at verse 21. It says, But Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites. Now drop down to verse 22. Now the, he was with the house of Joseph. But Benjamin didn't drive out. Look at verse 29. It says here that Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants. Do you see that? Then look again in verse 30. Verse 29 says, Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites. Then in verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants. Then look at down in verse 33, nor did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants. So do you see what's going on here? Judah was successful. They had sought the Lord. But now these other tribes are not doing what God had asked them to do. They were not expelling the enemy out of the land. No, so not only did they fail not to drive the enemy out, they allowed the Canaanites to begin to live among them. Look at verse 27 through 30. However, Manasseh did not drive him out. And then you can read all those names, you know, uh, that he was taken care of. But here's the thing. They determined to dwell in the land with the Canaanites. In verse 28, And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites under tribute, but they did not completely drive them out. And you see the same thing down in verse 34. They didn't drive them out. This is going to become the pattern that I want you to be able to see as we move through the book of Judges. It starts out with obedience, but then it ends in compromise. Obedience ends in compromise. Let's go look at the second judgment. The second judgment was an accusation. And that accusation was there, but the people failed to actually consider the law. This time we're going to go to Judges chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Then the angel. Now, whenever you see the angel capitalized, we're talking about Jesus Christ is making an appearance here. Jesus Christ is the angel here. It says, The angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bosham. I want you to notice that because we're going to talk about that in a minute. And he said... I led you up from Egypt, and I brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants. They were doing this all over. The make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. They were, they were making, settling in with them, paying tribute, and making them pay tribute to them. And you shall tear down their altars. But they began worshiping the Baals. But you've not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? 
Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. You know what's interesting? Is all the way through Israel's history, because they failed to drive these nations out, they were a thorn in their side. And today, the ones that they're having a problem with on the West Bank and all around them are these people that they failed to cast out of the land. See, this was the land of Canaan. They were the Canaanites. And even the people today say, well, see, we were the original people in the land. They came and took it from us. And it's true. God took the land of Canaan to make it a promised land for Israel. But now here we see, first of all, the probing of motives here. Do you see it? Why have you done this? God is probing their motives. And the reason they did it because their motives were wrong. And not only do you have the probing of, prodding of, probing of motives, you see the exposure of their attitudes here. Why have you done this? Because their attitudes were wrong. They were not following the voice of God. So this was the reason for their failures. Wrong motives. This was the reason for their compromise. Wrong attitudes. And, and let me suggest to you, that's the reason for our failures. That's the reason for our compromise because of our Wrong motives and because of our wrong attitudes that we have. And notice here, it says here that the angel of the Lord came from Gilgal to Bosham. I want you to see because a shift is happening here. And I want you to see this subtle shift that's going on. Because an angel of the Lord, God himself, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through this angel, is moving and shifting from Gilgal to Bosham. Now Gilgal means the circle. And the important about this, this circle is this is the circle that Joshua had made when he crossed over the Jordan River and he had defeated Jericho. And so he set up this circle known as Gilgal. And at this place, it was the place of great victory. The word Gilgal means winning. Now I'm going to get political. Remember our former president used to say, we're winning, winning, winning. Remember he was always saying that? Well, this is what Joshua said. We're winning. We've won. And he based his whole military operation here at Gilgal. Now, Boshim is interesting because it means the place of weeping. So the angel has moved from a place of winning to now a place of weeping. And now the shift has come. It is no longer winning. It is now weeping because they have failed to conquer the land. They have failed to consider the law of God and the voice of God. So they've moved from winning to weeping. And let's look at the result of that in verse 7 through 18. We're going to read through that whole passage. We went through it last week, but I want you to see it in the context of what we have here. The spirit of compromise. Look at verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, you see, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done. Remember, they'd crossed the Red Sea. They'd come through the wilderness. They've seen all the great works. They see the works of Joshua that he delivered them uh, in Jericho, and they'd entered into the land. Now Joshua, here's the problem. The son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. 
And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnah-Heris, in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gazish. When all that generation, now notice this, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, and they had died, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord. Here's the problem. Nor the work which he had done for them. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them, and they bowed down to them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served the Baals. This is the male gods of the Canaanites. And the asterisk, the female goddesses. And the anger of the Lord was against Israel, so he delivered them into the hands of their plunderers who despoiled them and sold them to the hands of their enemies all around so they could no longer stand before their enemies. Would you see that phrase? Wherever they went out and whenever they went out, the hand of the Lord was dead against them for calamity. As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, in spite of that, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. We're going to see 13 judges as we move through the book. Yet they would not listen to their judges. But they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. And they turned quickly from the way in which the fathers walked in obeying and commandments of the Lord. And they did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. It may be 20 years, 40 years, whatever the time of the judge. And they had a time of rest. But as soon as the judge died here, for the Lord was moved with pity. But in verse 19, And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted back and behaved more corruptly than their fathers. By following other gods and serving them and bowing down to them, they did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Would you go back to uh, chapter 2? And I want you to look at verse 12 a minute. Notice they forsook, they followed, and they bowed down. See those words? They forsook the Lord, they followed other gods, and they bowed down to the other gods. So here was a generation of parents who did not know the Lord. And because they did not know the Lord, then they failed to win their own children to the Lord or teach their own children of the ways of the Lord. They did not teach them God's Word. This is what's gone on in our own nation. We have a generation underneath that does not know the Lord. And the younger generation will always fall away from the Lord if the older generation is not teaching them by word and by example. I want to tell you about the spirit of compromise here. It will always involve living with the enemy. Let me say that. The spirit of compromise will always be inspired by living with the enemy. Now, the other is also true. Living with the enemy will also inspire compromise. So you have this vicious circle. As you begin to live with the enemy and not drive the enemy out, then you will begin to have a spirit of compromise, and that spirit of compromise will also cause you to further live with the enemy and not drive him out. Do you see what I'm saying here? Let's look at the third. The third judgment 
It was a decree. But the people failed to cling to the Lord. Look at Judges chapter 2. Now let's look at verses 19 through 23. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted back and behaved more corruptly. And in verse 20, the anger of the Lord was against the nation. Now look at verse 21. Here comes a decree. I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations, which Joshua left when he died. So that through them I may test Israel. Would you see that? Whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers did or not. There's the test. Are they going to walk in the ways of the Lord? Are they going to keep the law of the Lord? Are they going to follow the ways of the Lord or not? That's the test. That's why I'm going to allow these nations to exist, to test them, to see if they're going to follow the way of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did, their deliver, nor did He deliver them into the hand of Joshua. See, this is the sequel. You know, you always have movies that have the sequel. This is the sequel to what God said at Boshan, the place of weeping, when he had moved from Gilgal to Boshan. Now, at that time, God did not pass a decree. He didn't proclaim one. He just warned them. But now, he's passing a decree. Now, notice this. God will not expel their enemies. One day, they're going to have complete victory. They're going to have complete possession of the land. But it was not going to be now. They don't know when it's going to be. They're in the dark when that's going to be. It certainly was not going to come in their generation. Now, they could have been free. They could have been free from all of their enemies. But coexistence is what created their problem. And coexistence is what Israel wanted, so God allowed them to have what they wanted. And if you want coexistence with the enemy, God will allow you to have coexistence with the enemy. But He'll test you through it. They could have found rest, but they found conflict. Coexisting with the enemy will always bring conflict. Not only for them, but for us. If you try to live with one foot in your Christian life and one foot with the enemy, you'll have conflict. The hardest place to live the Christian life is on the fence. Jesus said, I wish you were hot or cold because you're lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Quit walking the fence. Either get on one side, forget your faith, or walk your faith. That's what Jesus said. So God's purpose, His decree here, was now to test Israel. And we saw that testing in verse 22. We see that testing also in Judges chapter 3, verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that He might test Israel. Now from here on, we're going to begin looking at some of these judges. For a couple of weeks, Derek's going to take a couple of judges. Then I'm going to take a judge, and he's going to come back and take a couple, and then I'll come back. We'll go back and forth and look at these judges. But see, these judges came to deliver them when they were tested. You know what the teacher does? The teacher always tests to see what their students know. That's why they test. And not only do they test to see what the teacher, what the student knows, 
They test in order to get to know the student. So God is getting to know what they know, and God is getting to know them themselves. And now notice this, by war and by conflict, Israel would come to know God. Did did you understand what I just said? By war and by conflict is how they're going to get to come to know God. Now, it didn't have to be that way. But now it was going to be through war. It was going to come through conflict that they're going to find God as the way and the truth and the life. They're going to discover this angel who is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They would learn eventually to cling to God, but through conflict and by war. Because what they're going to learn is whom God loves, he chastens. But you see, God would not have to chasten if we would obey to start with. Chastening only comes as we disobey. They would not have had to have the conflict or the war, but that's the way they had to learn because they were disobedient. They failed to cling to the Lord. But when the people would cry out, when they would repent, when they would return, then God would send a deliverer, a rescuer, and by the way of a judge. I want to suggest to you that these failures are seen in Christians today. See, instead of overcoming the enemy, we compromise. We begin to live with the enemy. We begin to settle in with the enemy. We begin to allow the enemy to drag us down, to remove us from our rest with God. And now we have conflict and strife, and we simply fail to cling to God. So these three utterances of God that we've looked at today, the judge, they're a universal word to every generation, even to us. First, comes the directive. And I want to tell you, as a nation, a directive has come. As a church, a directive has come. As a family, the directive has come. As an individual, the directive has come. And this is, it always, he always starts with the directive. The will of God. The will of God is laid down. The will of God has been laid down for our nation. The will of God has been laid down for our churches, for our families, for our individual life. The will of God has been laid down. And the will of man is addressed. And then obedience is required. So this is what God does in his directive. By this directive, the sinfulness of man is revealed. And man, because of his natural tendency, will disobey the directive. He didn't have to, but he chooses to. So then second will come the accusation, where God lays out our state, our sin, our disobedience, our self-will. Right now, God may be laying out his directive to you, his will. And maybe right now, he's having to lay out your sin and your disobedience. And your self-will. He certainly is laying that out for us as a nation. If you're watching closely. Third comes the decree. Where God reveals how he's going to deal with us. And I want to suggest. That whom he loves he will discipline. Discipline. Whom he loves, he will train. 
And God will even use evil to discipline and to train us. These nations were evil. They were anti-God. They were false gods. And God used these nations to test Israel about their own faithfulness. It is only, see, when we learn to accept the discipline, when we confront our sin, and we clarify our aims before God, and we stand against the enemy, that victory will come. See, this is what God's allowed. I'm just going to go off my message for a minute. This is what's going on in our nation right now. And I, I hope you don't misunderstand this, but we had a short period of a deliverer. Don't agree with everything he said and did, but he loved America. I'm not trying to be saying he was the best president. I'm just saying he took us back to where we needed to be, in my opinion. Now, this is just my opinion. I'm stepping out of being a pastor now. I'm just stepping out to being a, an ordinary man talking to you. And as a nation, we were winning, winning, winning. Now, the shift has come. And we're weeping, weeping, weeping. And God's allowed this enemy across our land. I'm not saying it's an individual or person. I'm saying it is, they're, they're not the problem. The problem is the principalities and powers and the evil forces that's leading to an antichrist behind them in a world global system. Let me tell you, they're just pawns in the game. Now let me get back to my message. If we learn in our testing right now, if we repent and we surrender to God's testing, then we will conquer the land and drive out the enemy. Because Jesus Christ is coming again. When he sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives, the enemies will be conquered. See, repenting and surrendering will also allow us to consider and obey God's law and His Word. But we won't consider His law, we won't consider His Word without repenting and surrendering to Him. And we won't conquer the land of our own enemies, whatever it is that we're given into, without first of all being able to repent and surrender. And third, we need to repent and surrender in order to be found clinging to God. See, God is sorting out. He's finding out who the real people are that love Him right now those that are going to cling to him those that are going to obey him those who are going to drive out the enemy so let me ask you some questions as we conclude and we're going to have a time of sharing prayer requests today in just a few minutes let me ask you a question is the hand of God against you today <laughs> do you feel that God's hand is just against me today you may not be there but you might do you feel plundered by the enemy? Do you feel like the enemy is just winning? And I'm being plundered. Then let me invite you to no longer coexist with the enemy. Tear down their altars. 
wherever they are in your life, wherever they are in your family, wherever they are in this church, tear them down. Wherever you can in the nation, tear them down. Obey God's voice. Cling to God. Allow Him to be your deliverer. Allow Him to drive out the enemy. Let's pray. Father, you always lay out your will to us. You test us to see if we're true. And we mean what we say. We call you Lord. We call you our Savior. We call you our life. But our life needs to give evidence And I'm not trying to say that's true of everyone, but many of us struggle here. And maybe God's laying out the state in your life right now, and he's revealed it to you. Your sin, your disobedience, your self-will. He will move in that to rescue you, to deliver you, to conquer and to drive out those enemies if you will allow him to decide and discern for you. If you consider obeying his word rather than your own word. If you will be found clinging to God. So Lord, I pray that if there is someone who has that need today that they will allow you to discern and decide for them. And that you draw them into your presence and give them a victory. Because God, your son Jesus, is the rescuer. He is the deliverer. And your Holy Spirit is the enabler who will enable us to live this thing called the Christian life. So, Father, if anyone is plundered by the enemy, if anyone feels the testing of God, that they would surrender and repent today. Obey your voice and cling to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.